0: Hey internet, I'm Simon Squibb, your host at the Good Luck Club podcast. Our mission is to help anybody out there that's thinking of starting a business. Equally, if you've started a business and are struggling, maybe you need a little bit of inspiration and knowledge. And we hope by interviewing some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs and change makers that you'll get the knowledge you need to become the person you want and turn your business into that dream company. I personally have started 17 companies from scratch and have invested in over 65 startups. When I sat down and analyzed how I did it, I discovered a secret, it was all luck. I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, without luck, it ain't gonna work. Each week, I will discuss with my guests this theory and see if luck is a skill as I feel it is. I hope you enjoy our episode this week. Welcome to this week's episode of the Good Luck Club. I believe in telling real-life stories, entrepreneurs that have been there and done it, and those that aren't necessarily Elon Musk, but might one day be just as inspirational. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Levine Hemlani. He is the founder of Accelerate, one of Asia's leading innovation platforms, and he'll tell us about it today. Levine, welcome to the Good Luck Club podcast. Thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Well, um, I I always like to start off the podcast just by asking you to give a quick introduction to our audience about you and and, and what you're about.
1: Fantastic. Uh, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. Um, Started my career in investment banking in New York. I uh, worked at a firm called Lazard, doing mergers and acquisitions. Uh, I graduated from the University of Chicago um after starting my career there uh, i had a chance to kind of discover uh through the use of a i would say a a career transition a chance for a calling or a purpose in education Uh, i had a chance to leave wall street and began this this journey around the world traveled the world for about six months and that led to a genuine passion for education and uh for the last three years, I've been running a company called Accelerate. We are a tech company that helps upskill and reskill uh, economies at scale, workforces at scale. Uh, we've upskilled 5,000 people uh, in government, in enterprises and in society uh, with advanced skills and mindsets in things like artificial intelligence, uh, software engineering, robotics, design, anything that's future of work, we're super excited to help the world close that gap and kind of rethink and reinvent uh, traditional technical education systems.
0: Sounds very exciting. Well, I'd like to ask this question um, of of all my guests, which is, what does success mean to you?
1: Uh, That's a good question. Um, I think success is something that means something very different to everyone. Uh, one has to be very introspective and ask themselves what matters. Uh, we're all going to face uh, our own deathbed one day. And I think it's very important to spend quality time thinking what really matters to you, whether it's building a game-defining company, whether it's um, you know, teaching a class of 20 students, whatever it is. Uh, for me personally, I'm really excited to try and inspire millions of people to learn really amazing skills in future technologies like AI and data science and robotics and and IoT, whatever it may be. Uh, And I'm truly, truly inspired by what these people can learn and if given the right direction, uh, solve some of the world's greatest challenges like climate change or ocean conservation or growing our forests again or helping us get into space or you know, healthcare like COVID and cancer research using deep learning. So I think there's this beautiful uh, impact that education and, and people with advanced technical education and mindsets can do to basically solve the next generation of world-challenging problems. And this ripple effect to me uh, gets me fired up at 5.30 in the morning every day. Uh, I think success is really just, you know, if you know what you want and you can get there uh, at, as fast as you can and feel really excited and and mesmerized by what you're doing and and like bring as much light and positivity to the world and really help improve lives. I mean, that it is that is what it is for me. And so if I'm doing that, then I believe success. It's a never ending thing. You know, I don't think you should ever stop. Right. If you want to build companies, keep building companies till the last day of your life. If if you want to keep improving in some areas, but success is like having this feedback loop that never stops, and you're just constantly saying, "How can I get bigger, better, faster? Add even more value to society and to those around me." That's what it means to me.
0: Thanks. I think it's uh, an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I, I, what I take is that we basically success is an ongoing process, and it's a, it's a feedback loop. I like that. That's that's a good insight. I think.
1: We're all iteration engines.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah. And I, I guess that goes back to the core of what you're doing as well. I mean, one of the reasons I, I wanted to interview you, I mean, I don't you're not yet famous, but I think you will be. And sometimes with the podcast folks that I'm interviewing, some are already famous, but I really like this kind of up and coming star. And I I see that in you. Um, And and I think that one of the things I think, if I look at people like Donald Trump who've been elected in the US, you know, based on people in the Rust Belt that feel they'd be left behind by globalization and so on, you know, if there was a positive uh, spin, it'd be someone like you standing up saying, you know, let's not hate the technology that's ahead of us. Let's reskill and embrace it. Which I kind of feel like when I when I see what you're doing, that's how I feel. I feel like you could help people in the Rust Belt of America you know, learn to enjoy work again. Learn learn to engage with technology in a in a way.
1: Yeah, and and it goes across to some of the enterprises as well. You know, COVID has disrupted retail. Will come up with new business models where your people feel excited about doing new projects. Uh, financial services is going to be disrupted. Will find ways for your people to use technology to add more value to their customers, as opposed to droning on some silly chatbot. Even the governments, you know, that we serve and, and we try and empower, uh, we inspire them with skills to try and serve their communities better. Uh, education, to me, is the most the, the greatest opportunity for for anyone's human empowerment. Uh, it's such a lasting thing, which is why I feel so attached to it.
0: I think. For, for, for the listeners out there, you know, you, you're, in my view, you, know, you're, you're a, you found purpose quite young. How did you do that? Because I think for a lot of people, finding that energy that you're talking about, most people, are just they want a job, so they've got an income, or they're, they're happy with just you know, basically covering their bills and, 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 and surviving. Where did this purpose-driven ambition come from?
1: I wasn't always like, like that. Um... It was a few years ago. I was working in Wall Street and I did enjoy, I guess, some of the the perks of working on amazing deals. Lazard was a great place to start your career and obviously starting in those uh, sort of firms gives you a certain lifestyle and living in New York was really about just paying bills and having fun when I was 21 and obviously learning a lot. Um, I think what helps is being super authentic and honest. and while I was enjoying the work, I didn't feel like it was the greatest contribution I could have, or it didn't feel like it was really me. I started to think, what do I truly want? And I had a chance to, to leave that job on really good terms. And rather than just jump into the next job, which is another hedge fund gig, which I, you know, all my life, I thought I would go into hedge funds, uh, and pursue sort of the buy side investment research. I felt that spending a few months to really really be deeply introspective on who i was and what i wanted uh from life would be a very valuable use of time i think there's so much clutter and to find purpose means self reflection and silence and so i took this 6 month period where i traveled to some of the craziest parts of the world like bolivia and namibia and jordan and iran and and i kind of was this adrenaline junkie i was doing all these crazy things every day i wanted to just scare The living daylights out of myself every day to show myself that you know, doing things that are off the beaten path, it's it's the right way to live. I mean, at least for me, it was do things that just scare you, that excites you. If if you fear something, just keep doing it. Uh, Part of going into that comfort zone of like going deeper and deeper was a chance to build a school in a part of Africa in Namibia, and I think it was a very natural. You know, kind of like you fall in love with someone or, or you've, you feel a natural connection with certain mentors or business partners or colleagues. Uh, you have to be very authentic and let your heart kind of guide it. And it was one of the most cathartic and beautiful experiences of my life. Uh, eight years of trying to chase hedge funds in Wall Street, it was, it was great, great career, but it wasn't, wow, this is absolutely beautiful. This is the stuff of legends. Like, I want to really do this, even if I didn't get paid. Um, And so education and purpose, I think one needs to just try and stick to something that they can stand for and say, this is something that kind of leaves my mark on on society, kind of leaves a legacy. And we're not all built like that. But I think starting to look internally rather than externally is a great starting point, no matter what your age.
0: I think a lot of people don't do it. I think uh you're unusual and I and for the listeners out there, I think there's a lesson to be learned here, and I want to understand how you unplugged so you have this hedge fund job it's paying you really well what how did you you know quit that and go and have this internal reflection was it what caused it um,
1: i yeah, it was just i really want to go to peru right now i am burnt out by working in wall street and before i i have my next gig i have a couple of weeks so let me just go do something really crazy because i might never get the chance again at 22 to do that so it was like taking a risk um it's kind of like when you're about to jump off a a cliff and you want to go jump into the water you're thinking should i do it should i not should i do it should i not uh just jump you know just jump and trust that The world will figure itself out and listen to that sort of higher calling. Uh, Again, people have different ways, like a collective intelligence. Just listen to that thing that connects us all and says, you know what? Give it a shot. And then that one thing in Peru was just for fun, turn into this six-month, I just want to experience the magic and the beauty of life in every shape, way, or form it does present itself in terms of adventures around the world. I just want to do it for myself. Uh, which then led to meeting amazing people and working with governments in Africa and municipalities and like finding my calling and purpose. So I think too often people are scared, but what if, but what if, but what if, and I don't want to tell people advice. I think everyone should, should think for themselves. Uh, I certainly found it was helpful to kind of just, uh, you know, the Greeks used to say uh, burn the boats, right? You cannot have a, a safety net. So I declined all the offers. I didn't have a safety net which is why I went two feet into the water rather than well I could always come back to this uh, and like throwing yourself in a place where it feels risky and out of tune uh, but driven by I need to find who I am and what I really care for uh, seemed to work for me
0: so you, you spent this time in Nibia and you helped uh, helped out there in a school um, but then, then what happened what, what was the next step Yeah, it
1: was. um, So I did this six month travel and it was really mostly fun up until that part towards the end where it was something of service, uh, giving back. Uh, We're building the school where thousands of kids could get free education. And for me, it was really this lightning bolt. It's honestly beautiful. I mean, these people have a chance for the first time, these kids have a chance for the first time to education um, and, and then change their lives. The trajectory of their lives isn't farmers. It might be doctors and engineers. And What does that mean, not just for them growing up? What does that mean for their kids and their grandkids? What does that mean for that part of the the African sub-Saharan continent? What does that mean for the community, right? What does that mean for the wealth of that entire thing? Well, so when you look back at it on a macro level, when I looked at all these countries I went to, the ones that had really amazing educational systems, that kind of made their countries, right? The ones that had broken systems where access was limited, was not democratized. Well, they had this poverty cycle that was, never ending. Um, After doing that trip, I knew for sure I wanted to do something in education. Uh, I was also pretty excited about AI. I had been working on this AI startup on the side. Um, And yeah, the two kind of merged together because I came back to Hong Kong, which is home for me after many years away. And while I was looking for a job, everyone was saying, well, it's so hard to do tech here. It's so hard to find amazing talent here. Uh, people would raise money, millions of dollars, but then they got to spend it the next day. But if it takes you six to twelve months to hire data scientists, product managers, software engineers, how do you expect to be an innovative city of the future, right? Where is the human capital that makes the city move forward? And I felt really hurt because this is home for me. I grew up here. I was born here. So I just thought, well, I'm 22. I'm 23. Um, on the side, maybe I could build this thing that that you know helps people learn to code. I would love to do it as well. I can't afford to do it at other companies offering that. So uh, low-income education, help solve the talent gap in Hong Kong, help companies and, and, and not even company, like just help companies get get talent and get people skills and get them thinking about learning skills of the future. Uh, yeah, that was the starting point. And it was very, very humble beginnings. I had like one little desk, had literally a few thousand dollars and yeah, it was it was very very tough days. I mean, I was I was very young. I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but yeah, that morphed into over the last few years uh, into an organization that's scaling over Asia right now.
0: And and your journey from that inception point. So this was your um, your first business, right? So Accelerate was is your first business, is that right? correct and so so the process you started three years ago talk us talk us through the learnings and the journey in the early days
1: wow it it has been a journey man um, yeah, early days like many startup founders is super lonely, super eighteen hours a day, seven days a week, figuring it out, making mistakes, um, getting pretty much everything wrong when it comes to culture talent people i worked with um and i think you have to then find that you're drawn to something much greater than say the possibility of an exit um shouldn't be about the money really like people who start businesses for money oh i want to be free i want to live in the bahamas i want to have income well you might build a little thing but if you want to truly be Uh, legendary in your industry and build amazing work that, that gets kind of society and human consciousness moving forward to solve some of the greatest challenges. If you want to do something meaningful, you have to have that sort of greater purpose because in times when, when your company's imploding or you're going through some spots of, of, you know, difficulties, financial culture, whatever it is, and you're going to have tons of obstacles in the first few years Um, and you have obstacles throughout your life as an entrepreneur, you know, at every stage, it gets harder, but easier at the same time, which is a funny thing, but you have to have that sort of North star, that grounding thing that gives you the shock absorber that says, well, I got punched in the face really hard, but I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm going to figure this thing out no matter what, because you're committed to a cause. And I find that people who are committed to those things are just one amazing people to work with as, as partners in business and life. Um, But two, that they end up building much more successful businesses financially as well as a side effect, right? You got to solve a real problem that no matter what, if you have to go, and I went unpaid for like two and a half years uh, and I didn't mind it. I I loved it. You know, it's, it wasn't the best, but it was okay because I I felt like I was really doing something that was uh, of higher purpose of higher value to society.
0: And so in in the early days of the business, I mean, you mentioned their like culture and partner getting these things wrong for the listeners out there that might be starting a business, you know, what, what insights or advice based on that experience can you give? What, what, what bits of knowledge did you pick up?
1: Yeah. Um, too many way too many uh mistakes we've all been there you know i think first things first uh i i didn't i I built a company and i was like 23 and there was more people than i had the maturity to lead and manage at the time Um, i certainly could have handled things better more professionally so i think it's so easy to get excited about, oh my God, my friend's raising 10 million and he's hiring like crazy. Well, stick in your own damn lane. You know, Ask yourself, am I moving too fast? Am I ready for this? Um, I think moving away from just, oh, I want to raise the next round to, am I building a high quality business that serves society, that serves people, serves your customers? I think number one is, if you can establish that for yourself, then by default, you will move away from attracting people who might just be looking for a job, right? To the extent that you can, the first 30, 50 people that work in your organization should be hand-picked, hand-selected based on your quirky, unique culture, right? And you got to define that you've got to define what's important to you and you don't just define it and put it in some rusty book and leave it there. You got to define it every day or every week. And when you're interviewing people, be really selective, right? If you're going to interview someone as a engineer, we'll interview 20, 30, right? Um, yeah, it's time consuming, but it's better than making the wrong partner or wrong hire, right? Find people who long-term, just like a marriage, right? You You feel like It could be a beautiful relationship and it gets better and better with time. You, you both support each other, uh, for co-founders, that's for sure. Um, and then for sort of people that work for you, looking at amazing people, um, and then looking at amazing people, but comparing them with amazing people who don't have that passion for your business. That I think was something I wish I learned, right? Someone could be super talented, but not care about what you're doing. Someone could be not so talented, super eager to learn, and lives and breathes and is excited about your mission and your product and your service to no extreme. I think it's obvious now, right, that one should go for the latter.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point on the employment side. I've had exactly the same experience. You you can have on paper, these, these brilliant people. Um, but in reality, what really matters is that they buy into the mission of the business. Right. And, and, and that's why it's so important to be yeah. clear on the mission early on. So yeah, totally yeah. right.
1: But and, and, and don't, don't hire like 20 people in your first six months. That that's, would not do that. I did that. I would not do that. I would slow it down and really get it step by step. There's no rush. You're only racing against yourself.
0: Are you the, uh, sure. Uh, only founder do you have a co-founder in the business
1: Uh, I did at a certain point have a co-founder the business went through a major restructuring and at this stage uh, I have some very very capable uh, people working with me uh, as part of the executive team but do I have a co-founder right now? No.
0: So so just again, these podcasts are all about trying to share your learnings with building a business with other people. So what what went wrong? What can you say without hurting anybody's feelings? Uh, what, what went wrong with the original co-founder partnership?
1: Um, yeah, so one person felt like taking over the world of education and really impacting and inspiring millions and, you know, going blazing fast and and solving this education to employment crisis at a global tectonic level and one person felt slightly more inspired and attached to be a local change maker um and focus only on a certain demographic in hong kong and really get that and so it's not right or wrong right i think people want different things and uh, you need to be super clear if something is working, great. And if it's not working, i I wish you know in business, people want to avoid the difficult conversations. I'm guilty of it. In business, people want to avoid the thing that hurt people. and just having radical transparency and saying, "You know what? this isn't working or we clearly want different things, and we've tried to compromise like it's not working don't force it, right? I've never tried, at least now after I've learned a lot, don't force people, don't force things. If if they don't have it internally to want to work at this organization or want to be your partner or your customer or your, you know, even your friend, right? It goes with every, you know, business is just relationships. It's just people. So with any relationship, whether it's family, friend, romantic, business, investor, whatever it is, I think is this going to be beautiful and add energy to both of us and, and, and make us better as people? Um, or is it not? Well, if there's going to be even slight thoughts of negativity, life's too short for that. Like just remove all that, right? Remove all that negativity, remove the past, remove all the, uh, the dis this, uh, lack of alignment on certain things and spend your time and energy on things and people who do, um, and i guess to to add to that i think what's really important is having like a self iteration engine you just have to take in learning take in feedback from the world from yourself from internal from external from every interaction and being slightly more reflective i wish i'd done it earlier on what is going on and then processing that it's almost like you're training an ai algorithm you got to train it you got to train your brain so that you can learn from that feedback otherwise you're just go 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 oh i'm in 20 meetings a day well you're not spending any time being thoughtful of your use of time and use of sort of passion with the people around you.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting uh, element. I think we could go really deep just on this subject because I think the co-founder relationship is fascinating and I, I, I get you've been very diplomatic the way you described two people there, so I, I think I know which one was you. Uh, but I, I think that the, um, that the whole point, most people spend so much time when they build a business talking about the brand name and they talk about what the company might do, but they don't align on things like growth strategy. They don't align, as you say, and I think growth strategy is, relates to culture. Because if your growth strategy is to go global, then you need to go fast. You know, you need to take some risks and hire lots of people and so on, right? And then, and if you're not aligned on that growth strategy, then the culture is different. Maybe, as you say, you want to be local. It's not such an aggressive timeline. It's not such an aggressive risk-taking venture. Lifestyle business. It's a lifestyle so, business. So lifestyle business and, and, and like you say, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for, I think for the no. learnings, I'm always thinking about the listeners when, when I do this podcast. What I, and what I, what I want the listeners to pick out of uh, from your experience and, and uh, explanation of what happened to you is understand your co-partner on a friendship level. But you've got to think ahead. Are you... And it is just like a relationship. You're quite right, I think, as well on that. You know, It's like long-term... Are you going to be able to have a baby together? You know, are you going to have the same attitude towards the schooling? Are you and going to have the same?
1: Your baby is a company, right? Exactly. Do you I mean, both I... want to see I... your? Company go the same way. Sorry, yeah. well, you know, what do you it's want great. that baby
0: to go to school locally or internationally? Do you, do you know how? how you know, it's, it's very, it's a very important thing that's totally overlooked. Uh, without going too far down the baby analogy, but uh, so, so I think I think it's really interesting. Um, I've, 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 I want to get on. So I, I to a few other things that I've been thinking about. So I'm going to put you under less pressure to explain your past because uh, I know you're you're basically still living in the, in the now. You know, you're building your business up. It's getting very very good traction i think a lot of people tell me uh what great work you're doing in, in hong kong and i'm i'm also part of what you're doing so I, I love it i really love what you're doing but i wondered what your opinion was on whether entrepreneurs are born or bred uh,
1: that's a tricky one um i think i don't think there's an answer for that i think um you could be an entrepreneur in a larger organization. You could be a entrepreneur quitting your job. Uh, I think someone who decides to go volunteer to build a charity is an entrepreneur. Uh, everyone has their own definition. Uh, I think we all have some ability to do great things. We're just so scared of it because as kids, you're told the sky is the limit. And then when you grow up, you realize the sky is just a figment of your imagination. It's not really reality, right? It's really the universe. So the sky is your limit. That's really a a psychological limit. Now, are you the sort of entrepreneur that wants to build a cafe or a restaurant? Uh, I think many people could do that, right? Or build small, medium-sized companies, because that's almost like having a job and maybe there was some risk involved. Are you someone who at every turn, um, is going to risk everything and, and, and really push the boundaries beyond what you feel is even possible, right? I think there's different types of entrepreneurs and people who start little societies and little businesses. Loads of people can do that. But I think as the sort of responsibility and the, the sort of game-changingness or the scale of what you're building grows, uh, I think very few people have the tenacity and the the persistence to want to stay through a very tumultuous roller coaster. Um, so everyone can get on the roller coaster, right? And some people should try it, right? If you want to do it, do it. Uh, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Right. Um, but if you are going to go on it and you're going to go for the full ride, just be ready to, to fasten your seatbelts and hold on to those buckles and, and, uh, enjoy it enjoy it because it is wild but if you realize it's the right roller coaster for you then even when things are not going well um it's only going to make you better like life shouldn't be oh i'm happy every day in front of an instagram channel in some nice beach right that's not at least for me that exciting um so to the long story short uh, i think they are part-born, they're part-bred, uh, but those that are truly game-changing need to have a combination of
0: both. Can you give an example of when good luck or bad luck has played a, a role in your life?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it was good luck that I had my visa expire in New York. So I was actually supposed to to go to Lazard, London, or I had to go take a hedge fund job in, in London. And it was good luck that it was going to take a few weeks. So I decided to take some time off and go to Peru. And that was probably the best of luck because then I just kept going and then went to Africa and discovered my calling and purpose. So one of the best things that happened was losing my job, which was a really good job, uh, kind of having the, the rug pulled right underneath you. Uh, otherwise, sometimes people don't feel the, the, the desire to want to take those risks. Um, again, I was given offers at multiple funds and and offers. I think what really helped also as part of that good luck was being super open-minded. Well, well here's an opportunity to be part of this school project. I'm in South Africa. Why don't I just fly up to Namibia? Um, everything in hindsight, you look back, has a way of connecting itself. But I think you have to be super, super open. You have to let the world kind of feed you things. and. Good luck comes from taking all of those things that come your way and processing it in a way that, that makes sense for you and your passion, your purpose, and churning it out into these beautiful, uh, beautiful days, legendary days of living your
0: life. Do you think in business you've had a big break?
1: Um, you know, even if I was a uh, hundred times bigger, right? even if the the company was public listed i would still feel like yeah we've got a long journey to go we're just starting i don't ever want myself or our organization our team our partners our shareholders our investors our customers to ever feel like we're going to stop uh the second year you're, you're, you stop you're complacent you're dead so and it's not fun it's not fun to be complacent so i don't think there's big breaks uh definitely certain government contracts led the way to certain or we got accredited last week so that certainly has led to certain opportunities but at the same time there's not one big break right you have to keep driving forward every single day and it's those little things that compound up that yield this beautiful image it's it's like you're an artist almost and it's so not like one day you have this beautiful masterpiece. You've got to work on it for many months, many years. Um, and you might keep scribbling it out and drawing parts of it again. But you always knew, hopefully you knew where you, what you were trying to draw. And even when it's done, it's not really done. It's just you decide to stop working on it. And then maybe you build other companies, right? And the Accelerate group, there's, there's multiple sort of, there's enterprises, government, there's staffing. There's multiple things that we do. So it always feels like, you know, there's this live stream platform we're building. So almost feels like every day uh, is day one in that that tiny little desk that I started three years ago. at. And I want that even 20 years from now, you know, even if we're in the New York Stock Exchange, I want it to feel like, yeah, we're just getting started.
0: Well, um, we're running out of time. Uh, I, I I love your journey I think we're, we're going to have you back on when you do list your company uh, maybe we could have you back on uh, to tell us about how you're just getting started still uh, but I know exactly what you mean and, and, and I appreciate your time I guess I like to end the podcast really with asking this fun question um, now I, I actually see you as quite young maybe because I'm old but I, I see you as quite young but if you went back to your even younger self and, and uh, gave a bit of advice what would it be? Um,
1: I wish I could tell myself, I mean, I, I do tell myself this a lot every day. It's this idea of this Steve Jobs question, you know, if you were to die today, how would you spend your last hours? Or if you had a month, how would you really spend your time? What's truly important? Because cut out the noise and really focus on what matters. In the grand scheme of things, we are a speck of a speck, right? On the time horizon, we're a speck. On the universe horizon, on space and time continuums, we're a speck. So if I could go back, I would say you've got something like 35,000 days left to live, or whatever thousands of days you have. Uh, life is short. If I could just tell myself every day when I woke up, life is short, I'll live every second. Uh, legendary. Right. I like to say like, make every second legendary. This is your life. Make it legendary, make it count. Right. So the exact phrasing I, I do like to say to myself when I wake up at five thirty in the morning is, this is your life. Make every second legendary.
0: I like it. It's an interesting one. Um, and I, and I, I have a conflict myself and I'm sure a lot of the listeners do too with, with that, that thesis, um, which I think is a good thesis, but for example, even myself, You know, like if you said to me, I'm going to die at the end of today, I want to spend time with my son, with my wife, you know, we just we just be together. Right. I wouldn't necessarily be taking time out to record a podcast and download fantastic real life stories like yours for people to learn from. Although I think that would be good legacy. That wouldn't necessarily be how I spent my last day. Right. Yet I find it very purposeful what I'm doing. So it's a very difficult balance, isn't it? Getting those two things aligned. and uh, Yeah. And yeah. and yeah, for a lot of people that are listening out there, I think it's it's good advice. Steve Jobs has has some brilliant one-liners and i and i and i i, I completely get what you're saying but yeah. it is really hard to apply it because i used to have it when i was younger i don't know you know when i was your age savings it's like i might die tomorrow so i might as well spend this money on a good holiday i might die tomorrow so why don't i buy myself a nice car yeah. you know and instead of like waiting for that gratification and 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 having all that uh, later yeah. in life yeah. and realizing those possessions aren't important so it's, it's a tricky one to get right isn't it that like, i might die tomorrow so why do not i just
1: yeah. I think one way to phrase it just as we're wrapping up is, is, well, life is short. Just remind yourself of your mortality. Maybe not, oh my God, I have an hour left to live. I better call right. everyone. That's, <laughs> um, But <laughs> hey, what are the, the 10 things that are probably, you know, if I've got 10 things here, well, of these three are way more meaningful and, and I want to do those things versus I'm doing it maybe to look good in front of my friends or my peer or that time where you have a chance to, you're in the middle of a conference and this amazing person that you respect, like the CEO of this game-changing company is just there and you didn't go up and talk to them, right? You're scared for whatever reason. There was something in your stomach um, or an attractive girl. I mean, however you want to you place it, but those moments where you're like, whatever, just do it, you know, make it legendary, make it, uh, kind of make it count. Right. And you should define legendary in whatever way you want, but don't spend your time doing 10 and a half hours a day on binge watching TV. I mean, again, it's controversial. I don't want to tell people what they want to do, but define what, what your life should be, what it could be as legendary and just remove all the things that help you get from where you are to a legendary life and just just feel proud that it's never going to get there like feel proud of the process actually of being legendary
0: well i see you as potentially the next steve Jobs, so maybe you're evolving his uh his statement there a little bit and uh, i appreciate that we'll a,
1: look. a bit fetched, but uh, no definitely no love the uh
0: you've got to think big Right. Anyway, you've got to think, so why not think big? I oh, think that's another stage.
1: one. You've got to think as audacious as you can. Yeah. You really should.
0: So it's, you're right. You'll, yeah. you'll probably be um, everyone knows that. You'll be a kinder Steve Jobs, I think. But look, like, yeah. I'm going I'm to wrap up what I've, what I've taken from the conversation with us today. Um, I, I think um, having the hard conversations early is very important in co-founder relationships, in relationships in general. But I think that's a good insight there today. I like the time out and find your purpose insight I think that uh, Levine shared with us today about how he um, was lucky enough I guess to um, lose the job he had and was strong enough to say no to the new office that he had to find his true calling and purpose enter into a school see what it was like to educate realize that was his calling and to help people upskill I think that's a really important thing to take time out everyone can get on the roller coaster which I think is an interesting analogy. I guess there's lots of different types of roller coasters out there. So, you know, you could all get on a roller coaster. I I firmly believe in uh, no one's born an entrepreneur. No one's born a doctor. No one's born a lawyer. It's all about um, yeah. your uh, application, but I love the idea of, you know, everyone can get on a roller coaster and then you've got to kind of buckle in and, and, and go for it. Make every minute count. Absolutely. True. Um, I think you said 35,000 days. So I need to go figure out how long I've got left. But but I like it. It's a good insight and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your present story with us. And we'll be following you, both me and the listeners. And we'll put the links to all your businesses in the comments below. We'll be following you carefully and uh, we'll become part of your fan base and look forward to seeing you upskill the world and bring some balance back to, to, uh, to how things are out of balance right now as far as that's concerned. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Senator Simon, thank you again. I truly admire what you're doing and uh, truly respect the, the mission of the Good Luck Club. So
0: keep at it, now. Oh, thank you. Likewise, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Good Luck Club podcast. We know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to, and you've chosen us. We, of course, feel lucky. If you want to hear more, please go to the thegoodluckpod.com or go to any of our social media pages and share with us your views, your insights, and any way that we can improve what we're doing to make it a better experience for you. We wish you the best of luck.